good morning. How are y'all today? Man, it is good to see each one of you here. It is good to worship together and to talk about that wonderful Savior that the Scripture so clearly tells us about. It's good to have my mom here, my family here, and certainly it's good to see each one of you. Yes. So, we've been talking about what on earth am I here for, living out my calling. The scripture clearly tells us something that's, that's wonderful. It says that God created us for a purpose. That he did not just put us on the earth to say, go exist. But he said, I have created you and I have called you to join me in the eternal work that I have. In fact, what we've been looking at for the last weeks is that, that first of all, God told us that we were called to be loved. We were called to be loved by Him. We were called to love Him. And we designated that as worship. And we said worship is not just the songs that we sing on Sunday morning, but it is the life that we live throughout each day that brings honor to God. Certainly singing a song is part of worship. But it is not the totality of worship. Worship is the life that we live in honor to God. So we said that God created us to worship. But not only did He create us to worship, but He called us to belong. That's fellowship. He called us to belong to a group of people known as the family of God. You need to know this morning, no matter how alone you believe that you walked in here, today you belong to God and you belong to a family through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a wonderful thing to know. So I'm called to worship, I'm called to fellowship, but not only am I called to those things, but I'm called to become. The scripture says that we were created in the image of Christ and that the goal of Christ's coming was not only to reconcile us to God the Father, but so that we would become like Him here on earth. That's discipleship, becoming like Christ. So worship, fellowship, discipleship. We were also called to bless. That's serve. We are called to do ministry. You see, you don't build a life by what you get. You build a life by what you give, by what you return, by the people you serve, by the love that you show, by the resources that you have and you give them and say, God, I want to use them for your honor and your glory. So it is worship. It is fellowship, it is discipleship, it is ministry, and today we're going to talk about we are called for a mission. We are called to go and to tell people that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him. In fact, long before people were called Christians in the Bible, they were known as people who followed the way. And that's Jesus in John 14, 6, where he said, I am the way. So as you have been allowed to worship, as you have been allowed to belong, as you have been allowed to become like Christ, and you have been allowed to serve other people, he says that one of the biggest and best ways that we serve others is by going to them and telling them, Jesus is the answer. God plan for humanity. God is gathering a family that will love him and live with him 
forever. Think about it. If God had not wanted a family, He would not have created the universe. He would not have created humanity. He would not have created you and me. Ephesians 1.5 says, He predestined us for adoption to sonship. In other words, He predestined before the foundation of the world. He predetermined in His heart that He wanted you to be His child. Now, what we know is that in the Garden of Eden, that He created us to be born into His family. And He wanted us to be a part of that family. But when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden, that relationship was broken. And so God predetermined that no matter what happened, He wanted you. And He determined before the foundation of the world that the blood of Jesus would be shed on a cross at Calvary some 2,000 years ago. So that some 2,000 years later that you could be His child. So you can be born as a son or a daughter. Or you can be adopted as a son or daughter. And when God's first plan was broken, He said, let me tell you, don't worry, I've got you covered. The blood of Jesus is going to cover you. You can be a part of my family and I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring you there. God's purpose for creating the universe is to gather a group of people who choose willingly to love Him. You see, you're not just born with it. Before sin, you were. But after sin, you were not. And the Scripture says to us, choose today whom you will serve. Choose today to be a follower of the Lord Jesus. Choose today to accept Him to be your Savior. In fact, if we would look in the book of Romans chapter 10, 13, it says, anyone who calls. Now, if I want to get Gail's attention when I'm in a room, I go, hey Gail, I called. And when I call, she answers. When my children want to get me in a crowd, they don't say, hey, dad, hey, daddy. They holler, hey, Chris. And for some reason, I hear that. But they call me, and I answer. And God called to you. He said, we are separated by sin, but I do not want that power of sin to hold you, to control you, to grip you, to destroy you. He says, I want through my love for you to draw you to myself. And it says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that's what the Scripture means. How beautiful are those? Are the feet of those who bring good news. So in that verse, we can unpack it just a little bit. And God says that anybody in this room who calls on me to be their Savior, I will save them. But then he goes on to say, unless they call, how will they know to call if someone doesn't go? And well, how will someone go unless they know they are sent? And Jesus says, I have sent you. You see, at that moment that you cross the threshold of to become a Christian, to a follower of Christ. At that moment, you are now a part of the army of people who are to go out and tell the world that Jesus is the answer. He says, and then when you do that, he says, you got pretty feet. He does. How beautiful 
it is when somebody would go and say, I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what yesterday was or tomorrow holds. Jesus has it. He has not lost control. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Well, what does this verse mean? The verse is telling me that the fifth purpose, the fifth calling on my life, is I am sent to bring others into God's family. It's called evangelism, sharing the gospel. And one of the things that we learn from doing studies of people's sociology is that in the Christian life, one of the things people fear the most is having to go tell somebody else how to be born again. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of not knowing enough. We're afraid that they'll ask us a question we can't answer in a way that we don't understand and that we will look silly and so we lock up. But the scripture says that if you go in my name for my purpose, when you open your mouth, I'll give you the words. And have you ever thought about this? Looking silly may be the way that you bring God the most glory. So it really is okay. You can't do it wrong. But he says, the calling on your life is to go and to tell people that Jesus is the answer. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says this, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now we've got to stop there for just a minute and understand this. People say, I can't share the gospel because I don't know enough. People can't share the gospel because they say, I've done too much. People say, I can't share the gospel because I haven't done enough. And he says, if you're in Christ, the old things are passed away, and behold, all things are made new. And then if we keep reading here, he says that he gives us a job. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The, the now all things, that's through Christ. God made peace between us and himself. God made peace between us and himself through Jesus. And then God says, because I've given you this gift, because I have made all things new in your life, he says, I want you to take it. And give it to other people. I want you to share it with them. Think about it. If I walked in here today and I had the answer for um, world peace. If I had the answer for the cure for cancer. Or the cure for AIDS. Or I could stop the horrific things like school shootings. If I had those things in my head and in my heart. And I would not share them with you. I would be criminal. And yet, because we have been reconciled to God through His Son, Christ, we walk around every single day of our lives with the answer for the cure. And we're afraid to share it because of what somebody might think about me. You remember that time that God did a big work in David's life and his wife got upset with him because he was out in the street dancing? In fact, the scripture would tell us to dance like David danced. Do you remember that? David was not afraid to look silly for the adoration that he had for God. And we walk in and we sit down and we cross our legs. 
somebody walks by and we go, might say, how are you? Man, what God said is, you were going to hell. You were eternally separated from God the Father. You didn't have a prayer and a hope in the world. And then one day, King Jesus swooped into your life. He snatched you up out of it, set you in a lofty place. And he says, now I want you to shout it to the mountaintop that Jesus is the answer. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been called to step out because God has made peace with us. What's he sending us to do? That's a great question. I've been sent. I've been called. I'm told to go. Well, when I get there, what am I supposed to do? Jesus said this in John 15, 16, and 17. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And that whatever you ask in the name, in my name, he may give you. Ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. Have you ever thought about what fruit is in the Bible? Fruit is a metaphor. Fruit is a metaphor for successful living. And he says, I've given you a ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. I want you to go out and tell people who I am. And I want you to do that. And that's bearing fruit and you're successful. What if nobody accepts? Not your call. That's God. God chose you. God chose them. God doesn't measure your success on who walks down an aisle, bows their head, or changes their life. He measures you on did you do what you're supposed to do. And so therefore, if I use the excuse, oh, well, nobody will pray to receive Christ or nobody will follow God, I'm making it about them and not about God. Most of what you do in your life is not going to last. Things we spend most of our time on, people will not even remember in 10, 20, 30, or whatever years nobody's going to care about your degrees your income your titles what movies you went to see what books you read or how you spent your summer can you imagine walking down the 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 streets of heaven and one day somebody walks up to you and says thank you and you say well, i'm sorry i don't know you thank you for what Thank you for that time that you were willing to step out and have a conversation with me and tell me that there was this man named Jesus who lived a sinless life, who died on a cross, who was buried in a tomb, who rose again on the third day, ascended back up here to heaven, now sits at the right hand of the Father so that I could be here. There was a song that was popular in the 80s and it was like, a Christian song, a song with Christian lyrics that said, Thank you, thank you for giving to the Lord. I was the life that was changed. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no lack of clarity in the command to be people who love people through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to be a New Testament church, then we are going to have to not only share the gospel, but we're going to have to facilitate the gospel, enable people who can share the gospel. And we're, the scripture says to walk into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Why? So the house may be full. 
William James said, The greatest use of your life is to invest in that which outlasts it. When you invest it in people who they are going to last, you're bearing fruit. So we know we have this ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. We know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go and tell people that Jesus is the way. So how do I respond to that? Acts chapter 20 verse 22 says, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. This is Paul. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city. So Paul says, I've been given this job. I'm supposed to go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing really what's going to happen, but I know that wherever I go, because I'm His and I'm committed to Him, that the Holy Spirit is testifying. In other words, ministry is happening. He says, saying that chains and tribulations await me. So Paul says, I know I'm going. The Holy Spirit is testifying, and He's testifying that these things that are not that pleasant are there for me. But... None of these things move me. In other words, I ain't scared. I'm going. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. And what was the ministry? To testify of the gospel of the grace of God. There it is again. It was called the ministry of reconciliation in one spot. In this spot, it's called the ministry of the gospel to testify. And Paul says, it doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't matter what I confront. It doesn't matter what humanity does to me because what humanity does to me will pale in comparison to what God has done for me. And he says, if it's a chain that makes Jesus famous, then bring on a chain. If it's this that makes Jesus famous, let me have it. Paul says the most important thing is for me to complete my mission. So what does that look like? Number one, as people who have been reconciled, as people with a mission, number one, I need to pray that people will say yes to God. Matthew 9, 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest, that means the abundance of people that have not yet become followers of the way. All right? The number of people that have not yet said yes to God through Christ. He says, The harvest, that bunch of people is numerous. There's a whole lot of them out there. But the laborers are few. So the number of people out there that have not said yes to the way are a whole lot. But the number of people who have said yes to the way and not yet embraced their ministry of reconciliation to share the gospel is not a whole lot. He says, so therefore, because we got a whole lot of people going to hell... And a whole lot of people who aren't going to hell, going out there to tell those people going to hell that there's a way not to go to hell. He says, because of that, he says, you need to fall on your knees and pray that the Lord of the harvest would wake up the redeemed and send them out to do what I have called them to do. Oh, me. 
Because we do need to remember that these people, this harvest that he's talking about, isn't that pretty? I think about going to my garden and there's a tomato plant. And there's, on that tomato plant, it's like a whole bunch of fruit tomatoes and I walk out there and I go man the harvest is plentiful hi-ho hi-ho it's off to work I go woo tomato sandwich tonight but you need to understand this is not I beg your pardon a rose garden this is a garden of doom and gloom and what is hanging on the vines of this fruit these bushes is death and separation from God eternal fire in the gnashing of teeth is what it says And he says, wake up, oh sleepy Christians, and go love somebody enough to tell them, I am the way. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus said to us, there's so many of them. God has sent us. In another portion of scripture, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I send you. A significant part of your calling in life is to pray. That's what we're going to look at next week, by the way. To pray that people will say yes to God's command of telling the world that he's the answer. Number two, not only do we pray that God, that people will say yes to God, but we, number two, we give to help spread the message and help others go. You know, you may be in a stage of life where you can't go anywhere. But you can give to help others go. Look at 3 John chapter 3, verse 8. We therefore ought to receive, speaking of an offering, we ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. The scripture says you can't go. Give so that those who are going have the resources to continue to go. And he said, in so doing that, you share in the reward. That means that if this is my reward because I walked out this door and said, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. And I go to the banquet and at the banquet they say, oh, you get the you share Jesus reward. And I stand up, pose for a picture, smile big, and they put it in the paper. And then all of a sudden Miss Collette comes over and says, hey, wait a minute. I gave so he could go, boom. She gets part of my reward. Somebody else comes up and says, hey, wait a minute. I gave, he went, but I gave. Boom. Now I have to keep giving away. Now here's the cool thing about God. It's a never-ending reward. It's not like I'm only getting a fourth of a reward or award, but it is a full reward, and you get part of it. So the Scripture says, not only am I to pray that people will say yes, the Scripture says that I'm to give so that the message can continue to be spread. Here at Mount Zion, we give, support the ministry of missions through our faith promise offering. It's an offering that is designated for taking the gospel and humanitarian relief around the world at home and abroad. That offering enables people to keep going. And you say, well, how much should I give? I don't know. It's a faith promise. God, I promise that if you bless me, I will give something to be a part of that because I want people to know the answer. This year, that offering that you have given has allowed 
us to go to multiple places around the world through missionaries that we support, the gospel to be shared. It's allowed us to go to Puerto Rico and give out 1,500 Bibles, not once, but through another trip that Teddy just took. It's allowing us to go this week and talk about the possibility of giving out 1,000 more Bibles in Puerto Rico, along with doing some training and relief work with pastors. So it's not just an empty hole where money falls, but it is a designated spot where money is stewarded and the gospel is shared. So I do pray, I do give, but keep going. I step out in faith. What does that mean? It means volunteer. God's army, God's mission is 100% volunteer. It's not a mandatory draft. Just because you say yes to God, God does not then hit you over the head and make you walk out the door and serve Him. He says, I'm asking you to. He says, I will reward and award you if you do. He says, I will bless your life if you do, but I will not make you serve me. You have to say, Lord, I'm in. It was a song we sang to our children. Um, I'm in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never something, another, something, another, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Okay. I wish I knew the rest of the words because I'm pretty sure it's amazing too. But you see, it's I'm in. I'm there. God, I'm stepping out. We need to wake up and say every day, Lord, I know you're going to do some really cool things in the world, and here I am. Would you just let me be a part of it? I think so many times we wake up and say, God, this is what I'm doing today. It's here, 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 and here. God, would you bless it? And God's got this alternate thing going on. He says, well, guess what? That's pretty cool in your mind, but let me tell you about the bigger picture. I'm doing this, this, and this, and I sure would like for you to join me. So it's not, Lord, will you bless what I'm doing, but Lord, will you show me what I'm blessing so I can join you in what you're doing? That takes faith. It takes trust. Because the path that God will lead us to sometimes may be like Paul. It's like the Holy Spirit testifies, prison and chains await me. Or something good just is, may not be there, but I will tell you overall, it is the blessed life. You can trust Him. You can walk with Him. And it is amazing. It would be like in Isaiah 6, 8 when He said, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said to the Lord, Here I am. Here am I. Send me. He didn't know where He was going, but He knew who He, who he was going for. And He was ready to be the one. What have you done in your life that's going to last? It's not going to get burned up, as the scripture says, by wood, hay, and stubble. What have you done in your life that's going to outlive you? What do you want to do in your life that's going to last? I dare you this morning. I dare you to pray the, most three, the three most dangerous words I can think of. Lord, comma. Use me. Don't put limitations. Don't define it and say, hey, God, this is what I'm going to do. But have the courage to look at him this morning and say, Lord, use me. And then hold on. Watch where he will take you. Watch what he will do through your life. Watch the people that he will bring into your life. 
and the numerous blessings that you will enjoy. Would you pray that this morning? But let me tell you, don't pray it flippantly because he'll hold you to it. David said in Psalm 67, 1 and 2, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Just like Isaiah said, Lord, use me, send me. David was saying, God, use me. They were willing to do that. So I pray that people will say yes. I give so that people can go. I step out in faith believing that God will use me. And then I go where I can go now. We lose the lottery syndrome. The lottery syndrome says, hey, I'm going to start giving to the church when I win the lottery. You know what I'm talking about, right? If God ever blesses me, here comes a big old check. Well, I just beg to differ. If you didn't do it when you had $2, you're not going to do it when you had $2 million. Do it where you are right now. Give right this moment. Serve right this moment. Maybe you can't go to Berlin, but you might could go to the back door and look and see if there's somebody to serve. We live in a community that is filled with needs all around us. People are hurting. Have you noticed one thing that was said this week about the school shooting in Florida? Is that there were all kinds of warning signs that this young man was in trouble. And um, nobody responded. Sandy, I believe you put a post on Facebook this week about a teacher that on Thursday of every week... um, the teacher would ask her class, list for me the four people that you would like to sit at your table next week. And there was no guarantee that they would sit with those people, but she said, list for me the four people you'd like to to sit with next week. List for me the one person that you think should be recognized for good behavior. And I may not have it exactly right, but here's the gist of it. And what the teacher was looking for was not the kids that were getting the accolades, but she was looking for the kids that never got mentioned. Nobody wanted to sit with them. Nobody wanted them recognized. And looking for the kids that never had somebody to write down, I would like to sit with this person. You see, I know this. I know that every single Sunday that we sit in church with people, that might not make a list. I'm just being honest. There are people that may not have anybody to put on their list. And the scripture says that we're given the responsibility not to sit in my bubble and say everything's great, but to bust my bubble and get into people's lives and find out where they are so that we can rescue the perishing. That's the gospel. That's the good news that no matter who you are, where you are, and what you've done, Jesus is for you. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That means walking from the inside to the outside to find somebody out there and bring them inside. And I'm busy, or I'm this, or I'm not that, or all these things really are not an excuse. Yes, some people will be more forward. 
Yes, some people have personalities that, that make them unafraid to talk to people. But that doesn't mean they're the most effective. Somebody, sometimes the quietest are the best. So, like, I'll give y'all a real example. Forgive me, please. Um, this week, we were sitting here having a conversation and it was um, with someone, and it was a kind of a funny conversation, awkward at times and getting to know each other at other times, and, but good. But there was still not, there was a whole other level of connection. Joy walks in the room. The person looks at Joy and says, I think I know you. How old are you? The person says, well, I'm 39. She said, oh, I'm 39. Where did you go to school? Oh, I went here. Oh, I went there. And then it looked like this. <gasps> You're bald-headed Joy that wore black in high school. I'm like, holy cow. How in the world would we know that bald-headed Joy in high school was going to make a connection with somebody 25 years later and then today get to lead them in worship because they're in this room? Yes. The scripture says that God restores the years the locusts have eaten. And he says, right where you are, who you are, I made you. And if you'll give me to you, I will use you for my glory. Yes. So volunteer now. Go where you are and step out. There was a guy in scripture that was struggling with some personal demons in his life. And Jesus just really helped him to get his mind right. He helped him to get his act together. He wanted to follow Jesus to the next town. And Jesus told him in Luke 8, 39, Return to your house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city the great things that God had done for him. That's what God's telling us. Is don't wait until you can go to the other side of the world. Right now, be willing to go to the other side of the room, the other side of the street, to the cubicle next door, to the friend that never comes out. Love people right where they are. This is the last verse I'll share with you. It's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. It says, but be watchful in all things. Looking. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. In other words, work at bringing others to Christ. Why? Because they'll experience His love, His forgiveness, His peace, His purpose. They'll experience their past forgiven. They'll have a reason for living. People without Christ aren't really living. They're just existing. Sociologists tell us that we're living in a time where people are more lonely than they've ever been and more connected than they ever thought they would be. But it's because the connection is pseudo. The connection is in a distance. The connection is virtual. And people are hungering, hungering for the hello, the hug, the high five, the how you doing in their life Jesus said I have come that you might have life and then once you experience life he says I want you to be a life giver tell people about me 
morning, would you be willing to pray that prayer, Lord, use me. This morning, would you be willing to step beyond your fear and say, here I am, God, I'm yours. What's holding you back? you do not know Christ as your Savior, I invite you this morning to let this be the moment. If you need to follow the Lord in believers' baptism, I invite you this morning to come. Why wait? If you don't have a church home, we would love to be your pastors. Remember last week we learned how many do we have? All of us, everybody. We would love to be your pastors. We would love to walk life with you. We would love to explore with you what it means to live life on purpose.